know the why human trafficking work is needed to fight for the freedom of modern day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast, where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. Welcome to episode 120 of the Emancipation Nation podcast. Today, I'm back talking about um, the survivor's journey, the TNT survivor's journey. So I want to make clear that the survivor's journey is a process, right? It's a process. You go through 12 journeys and TNT means truths and transformations. So there are certain truths that we need to face about our life and ourselves. There are certain truths that we don't understand that are wonderful truths about ourselves that we need to incorporate into our being. We're provided tools to use to make our transformation come about. So journey four is the survivor's internal battle to gain an inner voice that supports them. One of the truths is that I have the power to control and change my internal thoughts about myself. And the transformation is my inner voice loves, embraces, and supports me. So 80% of our internal self-talk is negative, according to the National Science Foundation. Just the average normal human being, 80% of self-talk is negative. Thus, the fourth journey involves the internal battle within ourselves. Working to establish a positive inner voice is important to our recovery. It's true that if there's no enemy within, it's difficult for all enemies outside of us to do any lasting damage. This journey is about interrupting our negative self-talk and replacing it with positive self-talk. It sounds easy, but on some days it seems like that's all you'll be doing. Like if I said I would give you $1,000 if you invested in the time to do it, well, I don't have $1,000 but to give everyone, but I'm going to give you something way more valuable because if survivors do this, their self-worth will begin to go up. And over time, they'll feel a thousand times better about themselves. And that's worth much more than a thousand dollars, right? So exactly what type of price tag would you put on increased peace of mind and feeling better about yourself? Maybe a million dollars? The development of our self-talk began in our early years. It's what we were told and how we were treated that helped imprint who we are. Through childhood years, our critical learning and self-concept began to develop in how we valued ourselves in the world. So if someone told us or showed us that we weren't worth much, we began to believe them. What was said and done stayed with us. It's embedded in us. In turn, what was not done 
is also imprinted on us. When or if I needed love or support or to feel safe and those were withheld or non-existent, that also shaped us. We would think that if we were loved most of the time that we should mostly be okay. But in reality, it takes a thousand attaboys to counter one negative and significant experience that was said or done to a child. In other words, one negative experience can outweigh a thousand great experiences. By far, the worst thing you can impress upon a child is, I don't love you. You're a mistake. You're stupid. You're unsafe. You're not valued. These comments and impressions expressed in various ways damage a child's core self-esteem. And so when we talk about human trafficking or indeed any kind of exploitation or abuse, we're not talking about a one-time experience. We're not talking about someone who walks out the door and is trafficked, you know, down in the white van, as everybody always seems to think. Vulnerability has typically been going on for a very long time, sometimes back into childhood. So a parent or loved one that withheld affection or remained distant or was absent or neglectful or on drugs or addicted to alcohol or otherwise emotionally distant or unavailable communicates to that child that they are not esteemed or valued. Right, Our little minds and hearts receive those messages that were said and shown or not said and shown. And those messages help develop our core self-esteem. So core self-esteem is just the sum of your self-worth, your self-value, and your self-evaluation. It's what we feel and believe about ourselves and our value in the world. If the messages we received that our loved ones didn't care much about us, we took those messages to heart. And those messages became our messages to ourselves and about ourselves. So there may be areas where you feel good about yourself and have pretty good or high self-esteem because you believe you're good at some things. Perhaps you think you're good at the way you dress or um, you have certain skills and talents that you're proud of. And maybe you're smart and kind and generous. Maybe you take pride in these qualities and skills as you should. However, when your core self-esteem has been damaged, you can believe you're good at some things and still have a damaged core self-esteem. If we simply just said, we're going to replace your negative self-talk with positive self-talk, and then that would be it. Uh, You would forever have positive self-talk, but that's not what happens. This negative self-talk creeps back in. So where does it come from? It comes from our core beliefs about ourselves. And we didn't tell ourselves those things. Somebody else told us verbally and non-verbally. So the deeper message, you know, negative self-talk, you can hear. You can hear yourself saying it. But core beliefs, you can't hear. It's behind, it sits in back and it feeds the core messages that then become negative self-talk. What are the core beliefs? Some of them are that I'm no good. I'm worthless. I'm ugly. I'm ashamed. I'm unlovable and so on. Those are the core beliefs. But even if we got back 
to the core beliefs and we started to work on those, the survivor would sabotage those. Why? Because behind the core beliefs are what we call schemas. And schemas are different than core beliefs in that schemas are sort of the way you see the world, the way you interpret what's happening to you and around you. It's your worldview. It's your perspective. So schemas are kind of like putting sunglasses on. So we put these sunglasses on and the world looks a little different. And that's how we explain what's happening to us. For instance, if I saw sort of ripe bananas hanging in a tree, but I'm wearing my blue schema glasses, then what I see are green bananas that aren't ready to be picked yet. Now, the rest of the world sees yellow bananas, but my truth is that I see green bananas. You see, so every experience I have or commonly what I'll do is I will assess that experience in the most negative way because I'm wearing these blue glasses, these schemas. And so if I fail a test at school, I'll say I am a failure. You know, not that I failed one test, but I will assess that as being an entire failure. So one theorist developed about 18 schemas because he kept seeing client after client and they were working on uh, self-talk. They were working on core beliefs, uh, self-esteem, but it kept being sabotaged over and over and over. And so he developed these 18 schemas or beliefs about ourselves or the way we see the world or the sunglasses we wear. And if we keep seeing this in the most negative light, uh, this happened because I'm worthless. This happened because I'm unloved. Then we can't um, come up out of that. We can't have positive self-esteem. We can't love ourselves because as soon as we work on changing our self-talk, then we see something, we experience something, and we assess that and assign it. And so we just stay in the same place over and over and over. So let's talk a little bit about the 18 schemas that have to do with this journey. There's an emotional deprivation schema, and that's the belief and expectation that your primary needs will never be met. The sense that no one will nurture you, care for you, guide you, protect you, or empathize with you. There's an abandonment schema. That's the belief and expectation that other people will leave, that they're unreliable, that relationships are fragile, that loss is inevitable, and that you will ultimately wind up alone. If I see this everywhere, then I begin to believe it and I begin to act accordingly and self-sabotage uh, any progress that I make. Mistrust and abuse, that's another schema. It's the belief that others are abusive, manipulative, selfish, and looking to hurt or use me. Others are not to be trusted. That's a mistrust and abuse schema. We see that a lot among survivors. There's a defectiveness schema, the belief that you're flawed, you're damaged, you're unlovable, and you'll thereby be rejected. There's a social isolation schema, the pervasive sense of aloneness, 
coupled with a feeling of alienation. Vulnerability schema, the sense that the world is a dangerous place, that disaster can happen at any time, and that you'll be overwhelmed by the challenges that lie ahead. So you start to see these uh, schemas play out, and I'm sure you have seen them or experienced them. Because of course, when I learned about the 18 schemas, right, I started trying to figure out, okay, which schema do I have? You know, so, um, but what we do in this journey is really um, help survivors understand their self-talk, their core beliefs, but more importantly, their schemas. And we have them pick like the top two schemas and just work on those because, you know, of course, you could see yourself a little bit in like five schemas, but just pick those huge, those big ones. And we're going to work on those through the journals, through the uh, TNT groups. And so um, I'll tell you a couple more schemas because I'm sure you're like, which schema do I <laughs> align with mostly? There's the dependence incompetence schema. That's the belief that you're unable to effectively make your own decisions, that your judgment is questionable, and that you need to rely on other people to help you get through your day-to-day responsibilities. There's the enmeshment, underdeveloped self, the sense that you don't have an identity or individualized self that is separate from one or more significant others. There's the failure schema, the expectation that you will fail or the belief that you can't perform well enough. Subjugation schema, the belief that you must submit to the control of others or else punishment or rejection will be forthcoming. We see that a lot in survivors. The self-sacrifice schema, the belief that you should voluntarily give up your own needs for the sake of others, usually to the point which is excessive. Some of you helpers out there, I might align with that one. Approval seeking or recognition seeking. That's the sense that approval, attention, recognition are far more important than genuine self-expression and being true to oneself. Emotional inhibition. The belief that you must control your self-expression or others will reject or criticize you. Negativity. Pessimism schema. The pervasive belief that the negative aspect of life outweighs the positive, along with the negative expectations for the future. Unrelenting standards schema. Some of you have this issue. The belief that you need to be the best, always striving for perfection or to avoid mistakes. I used to have that schema, but I don't have that much anymore. Punitiveness schema, that's the belief that people should be harshly punished for their mistakes or shortcomings. No, I don't like that one. <laughs> the mistakes and shortcomings. Um, entitlement, grandiosity schema, the sense that you're special or more important than others and that you do not have to follow the rules like other people, even though it may have a negative effect on others. Also, You can manifest in an exaggerated focus on superiority for the purpose of having power and control. And then the last game is insufficient self-control or self-discipline, the sense that you cannot accomplish your goals, especially if the process contains boring, repetitive, or frustrating aspects. 
Also that you can't resist acting upon impulses that lead to detrimental results. We see that sometimes in the AA community and the NA community. When we put these into practice, these are the tools that we give survivors who are traveling through the fourth journey. You can find a lot more out about the 18 schemas in a client's guide to schema-focused cognitive therapy by David Bricker and Jeffrey Young. And this is published through the Cognitive Therapy Center of New York, and it was published in 1993. Hey, I want to break into this episode for a moment. I want to remind you that survivors of sex trafficking experience trauma as a result. Trauma-informed care is something we learn so that we don't re-traumatize victims. However, trauma-informed care will not lower someone's trauma. We have survivors that need to heal inside. Most quality direct service workers connect survivors to needed services like healthcare, housing, legal services, and more. But these services, while necessary, won't address the internal trauma. Even when we connect them to trauma treatment counselors, they spend about an hour a week addressing traumas that have taken over their entire lives. They need so much more. Connecting someone to needed housing won't fix the brokenness inside. Arresting their trafficker allows them justice, but it won't heal the internal pain. Linking them to a lawyer won't take them to a place of reclaiming their freedom and experiencing genuine joy. Walking alongside survivors to provide support, nurturing, love, kindness, and to build relationship is critical. But they also need the tools to regain the power, choice, and voice internally. Healing the internal pain requires survivors to do the internal work. I've worked with and studied the issue for almost 30 years. I recently wrote a book outlining the 12 journeys that survivors need to go on to heal the trauma and to live the life they truly wanna live. I'd love to train you to be a group facilitator leading survivors toward the internal healing they need. The training is the TNT Survivors Journey Group. Let me train you to facilitate these important groups and put survivors on their path to living the life they want and experience the freedom and joy they deserve. To learn more, go to my website, celiawilliamson.com, and watch the free webinar to learn more about the course. I look forward to training you and helping you help survivors to heal. And now, on with the podcast. So often people that have negative core beliefs and negative schemas can be vulnerable to abuse and violence and control of others over them. So true freedom lies in what we tell ourselves because what we tell ourselves is what we think of ourselves. And if we think the way we need to think about ourselves, then we'll change the way we feel about ourselves. So let me let me just read this sort of quick poem and I think you'll get it. If you always think what you always thought, then you'll always feel what you always felt. If you always feel what you always felt, then you'll always do what you've always done. If you always do what you've always done, then you'll always get what you've always gotten. If you always get what you've always gotten, then you'll always think what you always thought. 
The goal is to change what we're thinking and what we're feeling inside, because that's the key to changing the whole game, just flipping the entire script, changing the feeling, changing the thinking. Ultimately, it's going to change the behavior. So the tools we provide in the fourth journey helps you create the change you need, but you need to know that change isn't a bolt of lightning that arrives like in a zap, right? It's a bridge built brick by brick every day with sweat, with humility, and with slip-ups. It's hard work, but it can be thrilling to watch it take shape and take form in your life. Here's an example. Let's say we have a survivor named Keisha. And Keisha's core belief was that no one wanted her because she was no good. This core belief developed when she was a child and she was in foster care. Keisha believed her mother, who was on drugs at the time, didn't love her enough and chose drugs over her. Deep down, Keisha felt worthless and unlovable. Keisha's outer appearance was always looking good with her hair and her nails done right. She cleaned her house and always had a nice looking boyfriend. Both of them loved to wear designer clothes when they could afford it. But if Keisha didn't work and give her man the money or buy him the things he needed to look good, he was violent. Keisha could learn through TNT that her schema is self-sacrifice or the belief that she should voluntarily give up everything she owns, needs, wants for the sake of others. Keisha could give, give, and give, but what she could learn is that she doesn't need to sacrifice everything, including her body, her self-esteem, her emotions, her mental well-being in order to be loved and wanted and happy. Keisha could consistently work on changing her self-talk, her core beliefs, and she could challenge herself to take on her schema glasses and realize that she's seeing the world in a way that she shouldn't see the world. And she could learn to take those glasses off and see the real world and her life in it. And so that is the fourth journey. And so I hope that you will consider being trained on the survivor's journey and facilitating TNT groups because it is life transformational. So I know connecting people to services, I know, you know, increasing awareness, I know that fundraising and all of these things are interesting because those are the things we know how to do. But becoming trained, you will know how to run TNT groups and guide survivors along the survivor's journey so that they can not only experience the external support and what it, what it means to be supported, but they can experience an internal freedom, uh, most of which they've likely have never known. So it's exciting. Um, I, it took me almost 30 years of just interviewing hundreds of survivors and analyzing thousands of transcripts and documents to finally get to the place where it's the survivor's journey. And it's a journey through truth. And it's a journey through transformation to experience 
not only external support, but internal freedom and to choose internal joy, not happiness. Because again, happiness is fleeting. You know, you're happy one day, you're not the other day. But internal joy, choosing to feel awesome about yourself and who you are and not continue to battle depression and all of the almost 90 symptoms associated with trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. So I'm just very passionate about it. Uh, I'm going to come back week after week. We're going to talk about the survivor's journey. I'll interview some people occasionally like I've been doing, but the focus for a while is going to be on trauma and it's going to be on this journey that's so important uh, to someone's internal freedom. So until next time, the fight continues. Let's not just do something, let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.